I'm Chase. And I'm Timothy. And this is Customer Service. Just fine. Just fine. It's a little Friday over here as we're recording this. Yep. Just went through uh, doing the analog, so to speak, release of those Hoka, the Hoka tours. Yeah. We, so we do this like analog drop thing that we've been doing yeah. since for a while now. It was just like a quick solution at the time, but then people have gotten used to it where we like manually make calls to try to avoid bots. And, yeah. Um, it's good. It's a pain in the ass, but at least it gets it in people's hands. So, people you know, seem happy, we're happy about to, it. We're yeah. happy to do it. So went through another one of those, but that's irrelevant today because we have a great guest on the podcast today. Today, I have our friend Sam Making. He is uh, he is a, a a director of. I, mean, I think that's his main job yeah, now. Yeah. Um. He was formerly in a in a great hardcore band. He uh. Yeah. I got yeah. to know him in Chicago. Documentary stylish dude. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so he so we we go over all that with him. Um. And, 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 and the, the interesting thing is really that um, I, I had this connection to him from the store I worked at in Chicago, yep. where we would uh, where we would chit chat and just talk about like movies and you know him directing yep. old yep. hardcore music, you know, just all the stuff I, I like talking about. And uh, you know, Chase actually had this like interesting story that that he'll get into on the pod about it. But you know, we, actually, the, one of the first things that Chase and I connected on was while he was si- while he was painting signs for uh, our store when, when we first opened. Yeah, yeah. Um, Six you know, years ago. Once we got through talking about hardcore music, we started talking about <laughs> like sign painting, and he brought up this documentary. And I was like, oh, I actually know that guy. Um, I'd love to introduce you sometime. It'd be really cool. Yeah. And that was you know like seven years ago. So uh, it was really cool to like finally make that introduction. I hadn't talked to Sam in a really long time. Yep. So that was really great. And uh, and like yeah, it was it was uh, it, it was a really good conversation. Yeah. And, Easy it, fellow to talk to. Yeah, I mean, we have like a million ways that we kind of connect with the dude. Midwest, yeah. hardcore, you know, into a very niche interest stuff. Yeah, Super yeah. into like movies and horror movies and, you know, just like, I mean, he's like, he's the man. He's yeah, like just really, the man. Yeah. So it's really, really fun conversation. Um, I don't think we should wait any longer. Uh, let's, let's get right into it. Hop right in with old Sam boy. All right, let's go. Peace. And I think we got into talking about music and horror movies yes. and all of yeah, like yeah, my yeah, stronger, yeah. more dominant interests. And that's like, I think just like how we ended up like kind of staying in touch or it expanded beyond that. Well, I always try to like tell people it's like I love talking fashion. I love fat. I love I love the whole world. It's obviously what I've made my entire career and life about. But like it's it's honestly if I were to put a list of things I'd like to talk about when I'm not here or just in general, <laughs> it's kind of lower on the list because I do it so frequently that it's like I've sort of sure. run out of. I've run out of things to say. I've said them all. You know what I mean? But like music yeah. and movies, I have I have endless currency. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I'm, I, I'm a dude that, uh, as, as, uh, thought about how I dress to, to varying degrees of enthusiasm for a long time now. If you take it all the way back to like beginning in the, like in the music scene and the punk scene, there were all these like kind of visual signifiers that were tied up in the way you dress. And it was very purposeful and sort of, uh, you know, to call attention to the fact that I wasn't doing what other people were doing. Sure. Obviously it's become like a less, like it's less confrontational, but having that, that interest in sort of, or intentionality start sort of before you're even really intellectualizing like things, um, just kind of made it like a constant part of my, my life, but it's not, it's, it's like, I'm just a fan and it's just something that I think about. It's never really been like a big topic for me from a conversational standpoint, you know? 
let me let me place you a little bit because I certainly like listen. There's nothing me and Chase want to talk about more than like hardcore scenes in music yeah. and the fashion <laughs> yeah. of them and stuff. So there's not we're gonna get there, but I feel like it's important because of that for us to like w- Sam. Where are you from originally? I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin originally. Okay. okay. And um, yeah, so like Midwest dude, born yeah. and bred, went to school there, and then stuck around for longer than maybe I would have otherwise done no shade on Milwaukee. I truly love it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of as much as ever in a way distance makes the heart grow fonder maybe. Yeah. And, uh, maturing to a certain degree to like enjoy it on like a whole other level than maybe the one that was part of like going out and drinking and partying and meeting all of the best friends that I've like brought along, you know, with me throughout my life. Now it's like probably a little bit more about family, a little bit more about, you know, waking up early and yeah, yeah, yeah. walking by the lake and all of those kind of things, <laughs> things that were definitely like neglected for the majority of the time Absolutely. that I lived there. And, uh, yeah, so Midwestern and then stuck around in Milwaukee for a longer period of time because I was in this band called since by man, that was a pretty active, you yeah. know, kind of art forward, uh, screamo hardcore punk band. The kids are calling it scrams these days. I'm cool with that. Uh, better than calling it emo or screamo, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and it means something to them. So they'll understand. And, um, yeah. And then when the band kind of winded down, my, my filmmaking pursuits were picking up and I started getting rep by a production company in Chicago to do like commercial work. And that's like when I made the move Then I was in Chicago for about eight years before coming out here to LA. So that's yeah, kind of like sick, the bio. Sick. When did you, yeah. when did you leave Chicago? It's been like 10 years now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's oh, been—I wow. like, think it's been like almost seven for me. It's yeah, no, it's been seven for you because yeah. the shop opened. Yeah, because I, 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 so. I moved here to open this, so like that's that was my impetus to move. Yeah, and I've like this relationship with like everywhere I've 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 lived, and even places where I've been like uh, you know kind of nonstop and continuous like visitors of like a place like New York City or Los Angeles mm-hmm. before I lived here. It's like my relationship with all these places kind of remained pretty sticky. Uh, yeah. I haven't like left a place and been like, fuck that, burn it down. I'm never going yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, I moved to Chicago. I mean, I moved to LA in, in like 2013, but like, I'm still making it back sometimes, you know, like once a quarter or, yeah. you know, for months at a time because of projects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for a while, and this happened when I moved to Chicago also, I was going back to Milwaukee all the time. It's like, it always, it's like, I don't really like leave when I leave, it's like, I kind of come back a lot mm-hmm. and then it sort of winds down sort of organically, or if not winds down, becomes less frequent. You know, it's been a little bit light. Chicago has been a little bit light on the travel itinerary lately, but I'm sure it'll come surging back at some point. Yeah. 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 So to give you some context too. So I like, I think we've probably talked about this, but I'm from Indiana originally and then was in Chicago for a long time. Chase is from Cleveland and then has been out here for a while, but we both like, like you grew up in like the hardcore scene. Yeah. So that's how mm-hmm. I can like, that's like how I like ground. If I know someone or understand yep, yep. them, like right away, if someone's like, hey, I'm from the Midwest, I'm like, Oh cool. Are you in the hardcore scene. <laughs> yeah. And if they're like, no, I'm like, Oh, okay. Then I probably don't have as much to talk about. But so obviously that's like, you were like, tell me to the, how would you describe, because I, I know exactly from talking to you, but like, how would you describe like the, or I guess not not this part, but like the success level of the band that you were in? Because we were talking about it earlier, Sam, and it's like, it's weird to like place bands at that time. Because I was in a couple bands that like were pretty well known, but like back then, 
and with the dawn of like people putting music on MySpace yeah. and stuff, it was like I don't know how to. Some bands ended up being bigger than I really, I guess, thought they were. Like, because I, I randomly mm-hmm. ran into someone in Chicago, told them I was playing this one band. They're like, you got to be shitting me. I have a poster above my bed from that band. And I was like, oh, man, that seems wild. You lived in an entirely different state. I mean, we toured a little bit, but nothing like wild, wild. And it's just crazy that, like, it reached a broader, like, place than I, than I guess I thought it would. So where would you put yourself? Because I know it was, like, it was relatively successful, right? Yeah, you know, at that time, yeah. you're starting a band, you're like in college or mm-hmm. of college age or like late high school, and there's just absolutely no possibility, or you don't believe, there is no, you're not going into it thinking like, oh shit, we might pop and be big, 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 uh, yeah. financially stable big. It's just like, this is what we're doing. This is like the water I am in, this is the air that I'm breathing, everybody and every creative pursuit is like tangentially or directly related to the hardcore and like music community. So it's like, yeah, you start a band. I mean, I wasn't even a musician. I just screamed, you know, in a hardcore band. And I was always like the kid taking pictures, designing t-shirts. Yeah. Um, Same. This you know, is exactly roadie, how I got involved. Stuff. And then I came home from like my first glimpse of like what it would be to like move to LA right away. I interned at a production company uh, on the Paramount lot. And I oh, spent cool. like, this summer of darkness alone in LA <laughs> yeah, yeah. free drinking um, with like no, like kind of basically pre like meaningful internet, definitely in a social capacity. And I was just like, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I've, I've up until this point, like 18, 19 spent like every free moment with my friends. And now I'm like going to an office between like, you know, from like nine to six and yeah, kind of getting like the very stereotypical swimming with sharks, like being screamed at. And being like tasked with like asking EPs what kind of bagels they want. And I'm just like this kid in a fucking like in khakis, like because I thought I was like supposed to dress like I was going to the office. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the the office manager's like, hey, go ask so and so what kind of bagels they want. I walk in first day. This is like literal, like knock on a door. This producer's there with like his feet kicked (laughs) up on the table and he's like, what? And I was like, um, what kind of bagels do you like? <laughs> nightmare question like, to ask in that night- setting. Fucking nightmare. And and he's like, he's like, did Jose ask you to ask me this? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he's like, he's like, you tell Jose, I'll eat whatever fucking bagels I want. Now, now you're involved in their office. fucking drama. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, I come home from that whole experience. And there were some real positives that summer. But I come home and my friends, like one band had broken up. Another band, they had met some other guys and they were like, do you want to sing in this band? And then all of a sudden it's what I did for like the next, it was like the dominant creative pursuit for the next like eight years of my life. Oh, damn. This is just how bands were formed back then too. Cause I was involved in a lot of different bands. It would be like one guy's out. Can you do this? And then I would always just say yes. And then I would be like, I'll figure it out. I'll go buy a hundred dollar bass and we'll figure this out. out. You know what I mean? And, and it was the same thing. Every single, like I say all the time, it's like, if someone references a band from that time, I'm like, you got to tell me who was in the band then, because otherwise I'm not sure what, what time we're talking about. Yeah. Right. I mean, I do think that saying yes to something you don't know if you can do is like, a big life lesson that 100%. I would encourage people to uh-huh. adopt. It's like, Oh yeah, I'll figure it out. I mean, that's like how most yeah, YouTube exists. You have, can, everyone can do everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, and everybody could probably definitely scream in a hardcore band. I mean, it's not like rocket science. So vibe, there is some yeah. sort of, there's, <laughs> yeah. vibe, there's some magic to it. You do need to like, uh, build up this scarification on your vocal cords to be able to do a tour yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. not lose your voice. Well, you're also like hanging out and like, 
bars where people are smoking and you're drinking, you know, 15 beers a night and just treating yourself relatively poorly. Um, (laughs) So like we were big enough to, I mean, we toured, we did Europe, we toured the U S we played like really big shows. We played really small shows that would have, that would often happen. Like, you know, back to back. Give me the vibe of some of the bands you were playing with. I think that's going to get put the, put the context. If anyone doesn't know the band. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we were definitely, like, coming from the, uh, the, um, like, the, the Converge, Locust, um, Seattle Botch crowd, like, those were the kind of bands that, like, we wanted to, to be like, and we were pursuing. Milwaukee's specific scene, because it was, like, a small, small, big city, the, the music scene was extremely eclectic, because, like, no one vibe could kind of support a scene in its entirety. So we would go on tour with like a band, like this band killed the slave master who was like technical metal, like extremely crazy. And we were not that. Yeah. And then we would also play with a lot of like kind of chugga chugga, you know, more Boston style, like hardcore bands. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we never steered, we never skewed too far into like the, the blood brothers, uh, spazziness mm-hmm. probably more like orchid um, oh this is like cool. so, people are just like this is like flying over heads or it is going directly into people's brains there is yeah. no yeah, middle yeah, ground yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you no. know yeah and so that was like the you know definitely like the 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 basement small venue high intentionality really sort of self-serious but also fun vibe was like that was like the music scene that we were in not particularly like macho uh though aggressive but you're and, right though Sam, not, that like so many yeah. of those bands at the time like you, like at least in the midwest and i think it's maybe why this that seems most interesting to me is that like there wasn't like when i say hardcore that's just like a it's like a blanket statement because yeah. on any on any bill like i'm remembering bills i played where like it would be like so us, which was, I was probably more in like that lane of like what you're talking about. Like a lot of us like really liked the chariot and shit. And then it was also sure. like, but then there would also on the bill be like a, a band that was like youth of today. And then right after that would be like job for a cowboy. And you'd be like, this, who the <laughs> fuck put this? It was just like whoever they could get on this thing. And none of the bands made sense together. But like you said, like you'd kind of find more people that way because yeah. it was like anyone was there and kind of down. And if it sounded different, that sort of helped. Yeah. All good. Yeah. And the purpose, especially at that point, and maybe this is the case now, but like we're living in like a very like aesthetic sort of dominant uh, culture currently, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And and that was there were some aesthetic signifiers back in the day, but it was like much more broad. It was way more about um, about a like an ethos, a certain set of like not rigid politics, but a general approach to politics, um, you know, and ethics. And and that was kind of like that was more of like the overarching that was like the net or the basket that all of these bands were in was like an approach to making music, not from a sonic perspective, but more from like a printing your own t-shirts perspective, booking your own tours perspective, you know, kind of like being as good of a hang as you are a band perspective, which was like a big part of like the people we ended up becoming like lifelong friends with, you know, it was like, how long do, how well do we get along as opposed to like, how well do we match on a bill? Yeah, you know, so yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. we're we're getting along with the guys in Plot to Blow Up the Eiffel Tower who became Crocodiles. And it's like, I'm not sure the same people are going to like us together, but we're going to go on tour together. And then, you know, or 
these arms are snakes was another band that we you know toured with and that's certainly like heading in like a better fit direction yeah but we definitely went on some tours with people that like we just did it because we liked them and then we would be like opening on like a shy halud tour or ultimately (laughs) under oath like huge christian hardcore band tours and i'm like damn what happened like how did you get here yeah how did i get here I feel like all like I feel like this like auditorium is like in my pocket right now, but I can like hear myself saying something about like Jesus not existing for some reason, <laughs> and just like all, the whole like all of the air getting sucked out of the room, and yeah, then they like yeah, stop yeah. clapping. Yeah. Um, but you know that was uh, that that we scene really like it, it like there were like it, it went one way or the other. It was either like very religious or like very not religious. Yeah, but there yeah. was very little middle ground. No, you took a stance. Yeah, it was a stand. Yeah, and I think that like you know I, what I think what what really changed things for me was the possibility of being able to make it big. By yeah. some metric. Yeah. And there were bands that I liked that like made it big or crossed over. There are more bands that I knew and were friends with who tried and then like it collapsed, you know, spectacularly because there was kind of like post at the drive-in, like, um, you know, like Thursday thrice kind of like major label mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. thing that happened. And, you know, so many bands kind of like went that went down that road and then it, it fizzled because they'd removed themselves from a certain amount of community. And this isn't like selling out as bad, but it did end up being bad for most of the bands that we're talking about, because I just don't think that the experience, very few people of our generation got into it with the potential of making it big or making money. It was more about being sustainable and continuing to do it and being able to do like bigger shows because they were more exciting and you were reaching more people. Mm -hmm. But then once kids were starting bands with that possibility of making it big, it changed the way the bands were. It changed the way the music was. 100%. It changed the way the shows were. And and that was more insidious than any like change of taste or, you know, uh, religious affiliation. It felt uh, like also overnight people were getting like, I don't even think it was anything crazy, but like deals and like, and like studio time. And I, just as many bands as I, I felt went from being something like more interesting to trying to fit into that mainstream that was sort of selling at the time, like you're talking about as, mm-hmm. as many as times as that happened, I also saw bands try to do, they got into a professional studio and they were relatively talented musicians and then tried to do something more interesting. And then it fell apart because of that. Like it was such, this like balancing act of like you either needed to you you couldn't be too radio or whatever because that didn't really work in that scene but you but you also couldn't be too interesting because that wasn't going to work either like bands i know that did this that i'm sure you know are like bear versus shark was never going to do something they, they were never going to get big in my opinion they just right. it was too freaky the shows were i, I played a show with them one time two seconds and we, we played then they get up and played what it was like ting 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 first songs bass player hits the hits the coffee shop window shatters both of the corner <laughs> windows Hell and yeah. they shut the whole thing down they didn't play one other song we just had to like pack, slowly pack up and leave yeah, out yeah. of everyone but they but they were like the, the the intensity of those shows the style of music it was just a different kind of thing um i also think like this is kind of this. I think they were. I think they were religious. I didn't know these guys, but we played a couple different shows where they were on it. Like Acidies Burn eventually released a record mm-hmm. that was more like that weird post-hardcore. Like they were definitely like trying to introduce some like shoegazy elements into what they were doing, and that record 
fucking turfed. Nobody I knew liked it, even though it was definitely a more interesting record than anything else they did. But it's like, that's what I mean. Like you had to like ride this weird line between not, not too radio, but not too experimental. And like, I think so many bands fell out. I think it's kind of why the genre fell apart too. Right. I mean, I just think that like, it's, if you remove, if you remove the recklessness, if you remove the smashing the cafe windows, if you remove, um, you know, the hospitalizations, nothing, yeah. nothing terrible, just some stitches and all that. Sure. Shit. If you remove like the underground component of it, you remove the danger, you professionalize it. Is it even like a style of music worth listening to just on the merits of the music? I mean, I love heavy music and I'm always searching for like something to scratch that itch, the aggressive music, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like without the, without the youthful chaotic energy kind of like regardless yeah. of age like what's the fucking point i mean there's other stuff to listen to i mean so like, the idea of becoming buttoned up makes no sense to me and that was kind of when i started like you know not losing interest of, from our project but losing interest with sure. like the, the 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 larger scene and a lot of the bands we were playing with because i mean you know you've mentioned a couple bands that took creative leaps um and it didn't work out. I mean, and then obviously there are other bands that like, you know, altered to sort of fit a certain yeah. box. And that was even more off-putting because it was fraudulent in a, in a, in a, in a genre of music that was not without, it's like, you know, the, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. But removing like the authenticity from it and it becoming more professionalized is like kind of taking yep. like the main thing that is undeniably was undeniably good about it. I, I think I think looking back, the things that stuck with me most and made the most impact too, they have this like what you're getting at is like a juvenile element where like they haven't really been beaten down by the earth really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all like from this perspective of not really knowing, but mm-hmm. kind of being sure and shit too. Like that juvenile aspect is kind of needed or at least in this exact scene and reference. Well, and once, once those bands, like you're talking about like under oath or Thursday started playing bigger, like those types of bands started playing bigger venues. It, that's the thing. If, if the live element changes like to where it's not a shitty basement where people are going absolutely crazy, like it just, I don't know what it was, but like that music wasn't that good recorded. It was the, like when I think of like a band that I love, like integrity, I really, mm-hmm. I, when I listen to it now, the recordings are just like, okay. Like they're, they're good they're fine but they but it doesn't capture the energy at all of the what those shows were like you know i like like cursed left for dead i've said the, these like metal leaning like th- those were like those those shows like burned out your ears you could they were ringing for days the, the aggression was different than just plain hardcore and it, but like when you listen to just the kind of bad recordings of it you're like i don't maybe get this mm-hmm. you know what i mean like even as i like it now i'm only remembering things about it that i liked it's not the music itself yeah if i'm not like inhaling asbestos particles raining from the <laughs> roof of fireside bowl i don't know if i'm getting the whole experience that I, that I want from the genre yeah 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 we just referenced that like i just like fireside bowl reasons like man if you didn't if you didn't get like a bloody nose at fireside bowl at a certain point if you're from the midwest that that feels wild like it was chase is very like was very involved in the cleveland scene now that's on the other side but it's like crazy that he'd never been to that because it's like yeah. that was such like an the everyone whole. i knew even my adult life has, has been there at some point. No. And this is going back to like your original point of, um, meeting people even kind of like post scene or post like heavy involvement in the scene. It's like meeting people down the line where you realize like, 
oh, you know, like, you know what the fireside bowl means, whether you were there or not, we're immediately going to have like a shorthand and a certain like energy exchange that's going to be like so much better. And it's, it it just creates this sort of like, oh, you were there camaraderie that um, has really like the legs of it has been insane. I mean, it's really like incredible to be like, uh, you know, I'm like directing like a, a uh, commercial for like a, a, a theme park located out in Southern California. Understood. And then all of a sudden I realized that like the, the art director on the account has an avail pin on and used to live in Richmond. And I'm like, okay. Oh my God, yeah. we can skip ahead. Okay. Like well, yeah, we're on the third date already. What's your phone number? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You tell me that area code. I, I got you. Dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let me ask you the same. Is there any music from that time that you still, you still fuck with, even if it's a little bit embarrassing, like you still just think like this still rips. Cause I feel, I feel like I still have it, even though if not every single reference is going to be one, I'm going to be proud to make. Yeah. Trying to think of an embarrassing example. Uh, and I don't know if I have an embarrassing. You one. understand I mean, what embarrassing embar- means, by the way? It means to the scene, not At to that time. not yeah. yeah, not not in general. Yeah, no, no, no. Because like, I mean, it is like the Titanic sort of like heavy hitters that I go to the most sure. consistently. Still, um, you know, I mean, like basically like everything like Jane Doe adjacent is unassailable. Yeah, you know, and it's like in many cases for a lot of those records, like gotten better and better and better. Um, yeah, we all worship the same God, <laughs> you know? The, yeah, exactly. It's like, um, you know, I, I put on, we were on a road, my wife and I were on a road trip and we were like, listen, we listened to the faint briefly. And I'm like, Oh, this is funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm like, but it's also kind of good and it's probably going to come back. And then you start thinking about like, damn, is this like pretty, this is a pretty weird group of like dudes from Omaha creating like this highly influential music that they didn't really even, I mean, they, they were there for it. They were popular. They were a big band, but I feel like kind of like some of the seeds they planted, like went far beyond where they were at. And I'm like, this is good. I mean, I'm not going to like put it on regularly. Uh, yeah. They were also another cool. one where it's like, what the fuck they had when they came out, someone, someone was like, we don't know where to put them, but they're cause they're kind of yelling, but it's like dancey. We don't know where to, I don't know what you do with these guys. So just put them at the hardcore show. They'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, it's like, it's like that type or like, you know, cause they weren't exactly like, they weren't like fucking like bright eyes, but they were like in that same camp. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, and it's like, I, I, sure. I cause I still, th- I, I've listened to those records. You, you, you know, the, I'm worked up. So sexual comes on. You, you, I, I get it. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, take me back to an absolutely disgusting house with mm-hmm. like towers of like empty or partially empty beer cans and like that greased up kitchen floor and yep. everybody in like brutally terrible haircuts and like the tightest pants physically attainable and just dancing and slipping and being gross, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it all comes flooding back and there's, I don't have any, uh, I have a lot of like affection for it. You know, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it can sound a little cliche to, or, or self aggrandizing to be like, I was there, I was there for that, mm-hmm. but it was a thing that was pretty mm-hmm. substantial. I met a lot of great people, um, uh, through it. It really, I feel like set me on like a a more interesting like path than maybe I would have been on a more less conventional path. Um, just so much, such a wide range of experience. It's like, I'm, I'm proud that I did that. And I really wouldn't, I don't know who I would be if I didn't get into like hardcore and punk for like my, my teenage into like, you know, early twenties 
pushing 30s years. No, completely agree. I mean, it's funny that I, I really do credit so much more than college or school of any kind. I credit the scene to being more involved in what I do now than anything else. Like it's, it was, it was, we, you know, we've always had this as the forefront of what we do is building community, which I learned and knew how to exist in from, uh, the scene. I knew how to make t-shirts and, and put it on the website and make money from online from the scene. I knew how to like, like you were saying, just say yes to kind of any opportunity to meet new and different people, people that thought differently, people that thought the same, like it just like people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, you know, being from a small town, like, cause it kind of, you got all the freaks together, you know what I mean? And then, and then, you know, it, it just, it puts you around so many different, like, I mean, I never knew anything about like being into like film photography, but that's how I got into it. Cause I saw somebody else doing it and right. they taught me about it. And like, it was just a way to like, it was just like all of my big learning experiences, the things that I apply now at like this big base level, honestly, are a lot of, are, are very credited to that for the, to that time in my life. Yeah. I mean, when you meet people in, uh, you know, down the line, like later in life, even if you're still in like a, a creative field or you're, or the people are interesting, you do see, there does tend to be like this, like kind of rigidity when they weren't exposed to yeah. a rebellious youth subculture, it does definitely oh, doesn't need to be hardcore, but like you need, you need that those early years to be exploded a little bit so that your just idea of like what's acceptable or what's abnormal gets sort of vaporized. I mean, it's like very hard for me to be thrown by like what the kids are into because of so much early exposure of like beautiful freaks yeah. and very strange people doing awesomely idiosyncratic and like specific things. And if you just get, it's, you know, it's just exposure therapy. It's like, if by the time you're 14 or 15 and you're like hanging out with, if you're hanging out in places you shouldn't be in, even though they're not dangerous, no, you should be there. They're not as dangerous as there may be, uh, you, you know, when you, when like you're waiting for the bus to go to a rancid concert and an old <laughs> punk comes up and he's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. And we were like, we're going to the Rancid concert. He's like, no, you're not. And he takes <laughs> you to a basement show and you see like the promise ring play. Yeah. It's uh, like, do my parents mm. like the idea of me being in this basement uh, on a school night? No. Did it make me a better person? Yes. Yeah. So, 100%. You know, you just get it it, it. it was established in me so early that that was normal, even though I kind of came from like a normal p- place, like a conventional suburbs and yeah. a happy family. Yeah, sure. It was just very like it's very hard to be kind of like thrown by something outside of my purview because I've been like being exposed to things that were sort of outside of my purview since I was like a, you know, a self-defining person. Yeah. So, Sam, how do you get from... So you you do you do all that in what you said like college age ish with the bands so in, and that yeah, kind the of early that, that winds down. How do you end up doing what you do now, or like how do you define what you do now? If people don't know, I mean I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, uh, yep. I largely make uh, motion picture advertisements for brands uh, and and companies. So I mean I'm mean, I'm a commercial film director for like a living. I still do a lot of like music videos and side projects and things that I find more interesting. Mm-hmm. I did a documentary called sign painters yes. um, that I co-directed with my friend Faith Levine that we could talk about a little bit. Um, yes. And then, and then, and then I, uh, you know, I take a lot of like pictures and, 
you know, I have other hobbies and interests, but I mean, I'm primarily a filmmaker and I was, I was, I had my interest, my interest in filmmaking goes back to like, really like the beginning of sort of sentience. And I've just like always wanted to be a director. So even during the band days, I was like pursuing film kind of in the background and Mm -hmm. the more active the band was, the more in the background it was, but I, you know, filmed the deranged movies with friends on, you know, Sony high eight millimeter cameras. I went to film school you know, very pretentious kind of art driven experimental avant-garde education got into the band. That specific brand of hardcore made me even more pretentious and into the avant-garde and uh, experimental stuff. You know, you just become like, there are certain bands in that genre where it's like, it becomes like an arms race of uh, how, how many like French new wave quotes can I drop into these like, you know, liner notes in a CD yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're made from the same stuff. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I was kind of doing the filmmaking thing in the background as the band was sort of in ascendancy. And then ultimately I kind of came up to against a wall, like 27, you know, the age of 27 or so being like, I really do need to start focusing on this more. I started working on more crews doing like local production stuff. And then I began then I began doing exactly what I did to start a band. I just started like making stuff with my friends. Yep. And if there's like any, like one thing I've sort of been doing the whole time, regardless of anything else is like, I've been making stuff with my friends. And so we started doing that with um, some shorts, some music videos, and then some advertising content, uh, pretty loosely defined advertising content. Mm-hmm. And then we introduced the, then we, um, and then we submitted, then we did some spec commercials for this, crash the Super Bowl Doritos campaign that they did a f- years ago where anyone could submit commercials and uh, <laughs> potentially win the opportunity to be on the Super Bowl. And so we did that the first year and we did two episodes that was like cops and all of the Doritos were drugs. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we, um, it was very good. Uh, and we got very close to being like in the final bracket. Uh, but at one point it like switched over from being community voted. Cause we were leading that, like we had the most yeah, likes, we yeah. had the most views, but then at some point, like, you know, the suits step in and they're like, okay, these are the final three. And we're not going to explain how we pick this final three. And we were like out at that point, even though we kind of had like the best metrics and clearly someone was like, we can't, show people throw Doritos into a toilet while a cop is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Arresting them. Yeah. Um, like, or, you know, like a, like a traffic pullover that goes, you know, goes abusive. So yeah, they, yeah a bunch of Doritos <laughs> in the trunk. I mean, it, yeah. the premise alone felt like, I feel like I, I would have signed off on the premise because it's so funny. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you're like, wow, I, it's almost surprising that you got far considering it's kind of like an edgy premise for a Dorito. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes sense that the community loved it and yeah. the executives were not so keen. <laughs> it was a simpler time, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> in, a lot, in a lot of respect. <laughs> yeah. So, Sam, but, you know. I, so you mentioned sign painters. I've been, you know, itching to talk to you about this ever since I found out Timothy knew you. You've affected my life in many ways. And like you said, I, I briefly mentioned this to you. The project definitely got some legs. And, you know, in, in some ways, I would have to assume it kind of was the catalyst for like this sign painting renaissance. But yeah, dude. So let me just chronicle to you. I was graduating from college. I went to Kent State in Ohio. Um, I graduated 2015. I was a graphic designer, but I was really into like typeface design, you know, calligraphy, lettering, all of the above. 
Sign Painters was released at uh, an art museum in Akron, which was like 30 minutes from my school. And uh, my friend goes, oh, dude, like fucking sign painter documentary. We should go see it. And I was like, no, dude, then I'm going to obsess about it. I'll want to be a sign painter. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to do that to myself. I know that it'll just cause me to spiral and this and that. Long story short, didn't go see it. I move out to Colorado um, and I my buddy opened a barbershop and he goes, Hey, he saw me like scribbling some letters on some shit one day. And he goes, Hey, would you ever be interested in like painting signs? And I was like, I would love to paint signs. I just don't know how back to the subject of accepting things before you know how to do it. So I Mm -hmm. ordered a bunch of sign painting supplies, asked a guy in town in Denver to like meet up, have a beer with me. And I was like, dude, let me just pick your brain. You know, he kind of gave me the lay of the land. I painted the barbershop sign. And then ultimately I got the job here at Canoe Club by painting the original signage through also a bunch of random connections. Um, so that's like kind of how I met Timothy was through painting signs. But then also my mentor, quote unquote, who taught me how to paint, his mentor was no- Norma Jean Maloney, who is in the Sign Painters doc. OG. I love her. So She's cool. And he, he said, and I think he said he, he, he worked under her for, you know, a long time, seven, eight, nine, ten years. He goes, I've never seen her without her cowboy hat, which I always thought was funny because in the dock, she's got her cowboy hat on all the time. Um, Indeed. And then, yeah, bro. And then actually I met my girlfriend and we've been together for four years and some change now through your documentary. She... I was on Instagram and I was, you know, posting my signs and, you know, going through the process of becoming a sign painter and, you know, learning more, developing a casual alphabet, et cetera, this and that. And she goes, Hey, I'm really interested in sign painting. Where would you reckon I start? I said, you got to watch this documentary. It's called sign painters. She watched it and we (laughs) have, we've just been talking and now together for, you know, four, four and a half, five years. And so that was kind of like the catalyst, but long story short, bro, is I, I was loosely interested in sign painting documentary comes out. I did not allow myself to watch it because I would have obsessed and spiraled too much since then. It's been a catalyst for a lot of the things that I'm doing currently in my life. It's got me the job here at canoe mm-hmm. club, got me my girlfriend, uh, provided a, an immense amount of fulfillment in my creative and personal life. And so like you said, it, it affected my ways and so ma- affected my life in so many ways that you have no clue about, yeah. <laughs> but it's just so funny that, oh, uh, you know, when did it come out? 2014, early 2015? Yeah. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, that means I think the movies affected your life more than it made that affected mine. <laughs> and uh, we lived with it for like four years in the, in the, yeah. in the making of, and then the sort of touring with, and then, you know, really since, I mean, because the amount of like, like residual, like um, waves, currents, connections that have sort of like been a constant through my life since yeah. making that film is, is really profound. I, I mean, I've heard a lot of really incredible stories like that. I mean, I don't know if anyone's actually said I met my significant other <laughs> via the movie, but yeah. that's got to have happened at least one other time, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't really know what to say about that whole part of it other than it just like, it's so far exceeded, you know, every time, every, every once in a while you, you say yes and you start making something and you dig into it and it will just have sort of like a power and effect that there's just really no way to preconceptualize or assume. And really when you do, it probably doesn't work out. And sign painters was like right place, right time. I really credit faith with the initial idea 
of believing that this was something that like deserved documenting, you know, yeah, documenting. Yeah. Um, and she couldn't have been more right. You know, I think it was tied up in its success and its influence was tied up in a lot of things that were happening. We did make a movie about sign painting and the people who do it. So obviously there was enough charisma and, and fascination and, and sort of narrative for us to pursue it. So that means it was already there. We yeah. just put it together and we put it in a package that people responded, um, responded to in a really great way. And, you know, it's like, if we have some, if we had some part in the resurgence, cause we can never claim that we had, it's the people who were doing it all along. And then the people who picked up the brush and like learned to do it and chase down and track down mentors and yeah, mentees, yeah. you know, that whole relationship dynamic is really impressive to me. And, you know, they're the ones that like brought it back and kind of earned its like proper place and appreciation. Uh, but the movie helped probably. Oh, ab- absolutely, dude. Like I, I was always kind of familiar with it, but a lot of a lot of people know what sign painting is now, and I, I would have to credit sign painters with kind of being that catalyst. Like, yeah, I mean, I think it's like you're you're right in one way that like I remember when that when it came out, it was like right at that even even just to parallel it with like what I was doing with like you know menswear was so it was so new and like it was very like handmade and old school in the old ways mm-hmm. and like you know I think it was very much like in the culture to like go back to like the original like harder way of doing things yeah. because it was so in the, it was so in the zeitgeist at the time. But like, I also think you were able to, I mean, something like almost like this, like talking about this scene is like, you were able to like expose and show something that like you really wouldn't see unless you knew about it. Yeah. Like you, it, it like exposed something. It's like it, even more than music. Cause I think people always know that there's weird bands in, in, in basements of Minnesota making cool music. But like, I don't think I didn't know anything about this as like a, as like a, as, as a an trade art form. or an art I guess, form. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't really know anything about it until the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a gravitation towards or like an interest in, you know, things that are made with intentionality and purpose and sign painters. And one of the reasons why that was the way we, that was like the project that resonated personally for me was that like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, look at this old timey thing that is actually kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, and you really kind of get the same results if you do it the newer, simpler way, but you don't yeah. get the credit for going like taking the harder path, yada, yada. It's like, no, actually this is like essentially like almost ancient technology. And it's like still the best way to do it and is being done by the people who understand like the value and the aesthetics of a sign better than anyone who's like cranking out vinyl banners. So it's this nice thing where it's like, it's not overly precious. It's sort of work-based it's labor-based it's incredibly artistic. It's highly designed, you know, like highly re- related design and urban planning and all of these things that, I mean, it was just like this incredibly broad uh, subject matter. And it's just something as simple as like, how do you, how do you tell someone like what you sell and what's inside this building? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in an enticing way. And then I'm like way, on yeah. the phone with Ed Ruscha getting him to do the forward. And I was like, how did we get here? <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Is it, do you feel like it's one of the things that you've done that you're most proud of? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, it's still the only like feature length project that yeah, I've yeah. done. Um, and, 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 you know, for me, there are things that I like that don't resonate with other people as much as um, something that I'm sort of like less proud of. 
But as I've gotten old, and I used to maybe have like a confrontational relationship with that dynamic, but like as you get older, or as I've not not one, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more interested in the qualities that make people connect with material, you know, and and mm-hmm. vibe with something, and and to not be you know too proud of my own cleverness or overly obtuse. Uh, you know, sign painters was like a very human story cleanly told there what we didn't muck it up at all. And it was relatively, it's sort of straightforward and the structure is sort of classic. Um, you know, and that's, that just helps. Like I'm always like, kind of like looking for like, did I nail, did I execute what I wanted to execute with that given project? That's yeah. always the number one thing that's going to define whether or not something's like a success for me. It's like, do I like it? Did it do what I wanted it to do? Did my intentionality like get across the finish line or did I kind of compromise? Yeah. But when you make a movie and a bunch of people like it and they tell you stories about how it impacted their lives <laughs> in a positive light, you have to kind of like not worry about like whether you stumbled in the transition from the second to the third act. Like literally nobody gives a shit but me. Um, and so that's been like a lesson to learn uh, and internalize and not just say out loud, but actually believe and kind of like apply to practice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, it's tough to get a movie made. Um, and, uh, so sign painters is still like the thing that is kind of the most substantial that I've made that like achieved the goals and like, yeah. is, is fun to watch and interesting. Yeah. But it really, I mean, I think, I think in the way that you were saying, like, it, it really did come across because that, that narrative could have so quickly been hokey or kind of like cutesy in a way that I don't think would have played as well. It also could have taken itself way too fucking seriously and been pretentious and kind of annoying to watch at the same time. And this was somehow this like had both elements of like, like a little like quirky, unusual people doing something quirky and unusual, but not so like but it wasn't told in some way that felt corny or like, like, you know, look at this cute little thing. It was just, it was, it was, it landed right in the middle. And I think that you're not giving yourself enough credit almost to a certain extent that like how fine of a line that you're kind of walking there of like one way or the other, that, that it doesn't, it reads different. The movie itself is a different thing. Yeah. There was obviously the spate of uh, maker videos at a certain point mm-hmm. and it's kind of like in the blog era. Yeah. And uh, one thing that, uh, Faith and I were like completely not interested in is old timiness. Yeah. Uh, broadly defined, uh, waxing, waxing the mustaches, um, yeah, sure. the, the yeah. playing, yeah. playing the, the banjo music or whatever yeah. costumes. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the play acting of it all was pretty off putting. Not that that was like a strong thread in the, in the sign painter community. We were really trying to come at it from like an anthropological kind of like design centric, like current important, thoughtful, funny, you know, not overly Mm -hmm, uh, mm self-serious because that was also a thing that's very common Mm -hmm. amongst like, you know, art documentaries. So it was a balance. I will give credit to our, our, our cast, our subject matters. Is that like, I mean, it was just like some incredible personalities and we really let them like the tone is very defined by how outsized some of those personalities are without gloating. We also never put anything in the movie that was like just funny. It had to be like on topic. Also, there were no non sequiturs just for laughs Yeah, or, you know, um, maybe like we lingered a little bit on like a shot of like the dog in Ernie's pocket, uh, you know, or something. There are a few moments that are like, you know, 
probably leaned into a little bit because it was just funny or bizarre. Uh, But by and large, it was like, you know, well, let's let these people tell their stories and not make it overly precious. I mean, it's not, that's not really my taste preference, I guess, anyway. So we were, we thought about it, but it was like, that was the direction we would have gone in no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, what are you what are you working on these days that's more for yourself, I guess? Like and, and the reason I ask is I because I remember you were this was a long time ago, and I'm not sure where it landed or what you think of it, but like I you you let me read a movie script you were working on at one point, and that and I've and I've thought about it a lot since. Like I really liked what you wrote. I don't know how you feel about it personally or anything, but I really thought it was great. So I just wondered if you were doing anything like that these days. Well, Timothy, uh, I'm glad you say that. Uh, that same script, well, it's changed over the years. Sure. Uh, but it was it's, a while it, ago. Gotten, I, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's, it. you know, when you, when you like, when you hear an interview with like a film director and they're like, yeah, it took me 10 years to make my first yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, that's that bullshit. I mean, um, and it's not for everyone. Uh, I would prefer it to go the other way. It would have sure. been cool to have made it like eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, however, it's, it's, uh, it's as close as it's ever been. And that's, and it's that, been very script? close multiple times. Yes. Let's go. Same, I really got I really got to tell you, man, I, I'm not joking when I say that, like, I'll now and then think about that script a lot. Like, I really, really liked it. I thought it was really great. Like, re- and it's, it's a it's a I don't know if this is how you want to describe it, but for for the, the basis of it, it's, it's a it's a horror, fi- a horror, horror film, right? Yeah, it's a character driven horror yeah. film, you know, that is meant to be kind of it meant it's meant to equal sort of it's meant to like function equally well as both like uh, a very taut and sort of uncomfortable character drama and a actual very scary horror movie it's not like oh it's an elevated uh horror movie that's really just all about the characters it's both it's meant to like truly unnerve people uh but also keep them extremely invested and interested in the characters uh and i mean that's it's why I'm still working on it. I mean, there are a couple other projects that are circulating, but that's been, that's never really gone away. It's kind of I'm gone really in fits and starts. Hear that. Yeah. It, it, Cause it's it, like the, the tension. And, you know, I think one of the things we bonded on earlier was, uh, was horror movies. And I, and I, I, to be honest with you, even though I know we're in such a Renaissance, I am behind cause I had a kid and now I have very <laughs> little time. And certainly horror movies cannot be on in the background when you have a toddler. But, um, but like, so, so I'm behind, but at the same time, like, like I've seen a lot and I care about them a lot. And that, that script in particular really did something I care about a lot in horror movies, which it it made you sit in stuff way longer than you want to. And it's not that it's like big scariness. It's that you sit there and have to like deal with a problem or an uncomfortability, like an uncomfortableness that you just have to like sit in longer than you want to. And that's like more real and grounded than yeah. most horror movies. And I really like, that's, that's why I tell you, I, I think about it a lot. Cause I'm like, man, that was a really good script. I don't know if you ever did anything with that. I was, I was so worried for some reason that you're going to be like, Oh yeah, no, I don't like that. I didn't, you know, we threw that out a long time ago. So to, the, to hear that, like it's, it's doing something or that one day I might get to see it. I really, I, that's so cool to hear. Let's say within the next year, so sick. Uh, it will exist and you should be able to see it. Uh, knock Dude. on wood and then incredible. and then we can talk about it in more detail oh yeah you, know, gotta, come, you gotta come back and 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 because i because now what i'm excited to do is like this was this had to have been like eight or nine years ago that i read this thing Easily. and i and, and yeah. thought about it now and then a couple times a year i would say i think about it I'm like man i really liked that you know because I, I was even just telling chase like horror i, I was t- i was trying to get back into some like horror literature because i haven't done that in a long time and 
that sits with you in a different way that than film can even do sometimes. I was giving him some suggestions and and I wonder if that's why that one just sat with me. So I, I you, you got to come back whenever if, if this gets released, you know, and you got to come back and we got to talk because I, I wonder what I'll remember or if I'm remembering correctly everything. So I'm very, very excited to hear that. Well, the broad strokes are really fundamental and pretty classic. Um, so you, and they haven't changed very much, you know, some details of characterization and stuff has changed because like the, the, the script has been, I mean, this is like kind of broadly applicable to like the whole creative life and pursuit of things in general is that like, if you sit with a project or a piece of material and you work on it long enough, you know, it's like at some point I never stopped loving the idea, but it had to change because like my life had changed. So my pain points or pressure, pressure points, um, the things that I'm thinking about in the context of like, um, relationships with like a significant other, the, the concerns of like a man in his early thirties is different than a man in his early twenties. So sure. some of that yeah, stuff has changed, but it's still, it's still like about like having a, a very great bad time at the movies. Yeah. It was that the, the whole, even, even you telling me that the whole thing is, it was so tonally, uh, I think like well-written that I don't think even if you changed a piece of the, the puzzle one way or the other, it was really the tone and the patience that it had that I really think is why it stuck with me. Chase, let me know if you want to read the script too. I'll send it to you. Any of the I, viewers, I really would yeah. love to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone, this is the call out to, um, to all the listeners out there. If anybody's got like a rich uncle who wants to get into the movie business, <laughs> we're still we looking for a little bit of gap financing. Yep. Uh, we got to get over a certain mark. Uh, give me a call. Yeah. Slide into the DMs. We'll, we'll make sure. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get them in touch. Yeah. Actually, this whole thing is just a big fundraiser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. It was all leading to this question that I was like, he might be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, Damn, we probably we probably lost all the rich dudes who were like tuning in to like talk about like hear us talk about capital yeah. by talking yeah. about hardcore bands for the first 20 minutes. Why are they now, still talking here's about the fucking thing. Wisconsin? This is what's more more and more surprising every time we do this podcast is all that stuff is what people want to hear most. Like they have fashion questions. We answer them as whenever we, whenever we can, but like it really comes down to people love to hear like this kind of just stuff. Bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and, and I think that like, especially cause it's just, it's just people talking passionately about stuff that they like. So I think you want to listen to that. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know. I just think the most interesting way to approach all of this stuff is to like, not actually silo at all. It's like all part of some big, weird grand life project. Like how do you, how do you interest yourself? How do you connect with other people? Like it's, it's all one thing. I mean, if you're kind of doing this broadly defined creative life, uh, you know, purpose driven, unconventional existence, like even if you get married, even if you have kids, even if you're, you know, kind of like working to maintain a certain amount of like material comfort, like once an artist, always an artist, obviously we're all on this call fortunate enough to, you know, still be working in a creative capacity with like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lifelong interests. But I know people that are like, you know, lawyers and doctors and, and the ones that are happy are the ones that have never stopped doing all the other stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think all the time, like if this collapsed or this sold, I, I would just, Yes, that would suck because I worked so hard at it, but I would just go, I'm just going to go do it again. Like, I'm just going to go do some similar thing. Like, I, it, it, it's not, this is working and that's so fun and it, and it presents new challenges all the time and it's growing and that's, it's, we're so blessed that that's, that's the way it's going. And, but like, 
the, the second something changed, I would just, I did the drive doesn't go away to do that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's, it, I, I really have only ever worked luckily, like you said, in stuff that I'm super passionate about. And I just, I, I can't imagine doing, doing anything different. And I think that if I did, the only way I could do it is if I, if it made me enough time to pursue all the other hobbies that I, that sometimes this will prevent me from doing those too. Cause I'm like, I like when I have no shortage of things that I would like to get Keep done. If I, busy. if I could figure out how to not sleep, that's what I would do. Right. I mean, it's just, it's impossible to not kind of wake up and think like, Oh, what should I like? What, what should I try to make today? Or whether it's writing or making, you know, bootleg hats, uh, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, it's just like, there's always gotta be a project. There's always gotta be some stuff going on that involves like talking to other interesting people, making something, putting it out there in the world. You know, I just don't, there's not, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't know how to be any other way. And so mm-hmm. totally screwed. I mean, in a certain way, because there is no option anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the specifics are about all that can change, but it's like, I'm fucked. This is it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty unavoidable at this point. It's like, I gotta be doing, I gotta be making stuff with my friends. Yeah, no, I, I, I start, I go downhill quick if that's not what I'm doing. And, and luckily I've been able to do this literally over and over and over again in my life. So I feel like I feel pretty safe in that I'll, I'll continue to do that yeah, regardless yeah. of how anything goes. Yeah. Just, right. um, as a, as a potential new, as a potential, as a future new father, uh, my wife is pregnant. Oh, We're doing congratulations, October. man. That's awesome. Thanks. Hell yeah, dude. You're like, you're like, no matter what happens, I'll be doing some version of this. But you definitely all of a sudden start to worry about like the bottom dropping out in a new way that I was previously unfamiliar with. Because it was always like, I used to be broke. Like I was a punk. Yeah. I lived in shitholes. You know, I, I was used to, uh, you know, a financial uh, precarity. And then you you get a little bit older and you get married and you have a kid. And you're like, damn, got to keep this going. Uh, got to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> but know, like, got to make I'll sure honest, things dude. don't fall apart. Everything sick I've ever done was was I was backed into a corner. Every single like thing was always that way. So it's like anytime that I get a chance to sort of back myself into a corner a little bit more, I really I I like it a lot because <laughs> I'm like, oh cool, that'll force me to like be that much more serious or take something that much more seriously. Like every everything I I, I did was was exactly like that. It was like, oh fuck, now this whole thing changed, and I now I got to look at this in a different they way. Have to do it, yeah. push way harder, and there's yeah. no. I've never had a backup plan. There is no backup plan. <laughs> I I don't have side things. I put my whole ass into one, one <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that there is no backup plan. It's been like, you know, it's like one of the best gifts my parents ever gave me is they never meaningfully Im- impressed upon me the importance of having one. So they yeah. just like, let me be obsessed with making movies from like age five until 43. I mean, they, they never told me to stop. They never, they were only supportive, which was like such a fucking yeah. blessing. Yeah. Um, changes everything. Yeah. You gotta, you know, keep the fire hot, but don't get burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's probably the badly. best advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're kind of at the end of this, and we always do one last thing at the end where we just ask like a question or something that's like completely off topic, um, as a basically as Great. a as a way that we're bad at segueing out because I would just have this conversation for the next four hours. Yeah. Um. So so here it is. We I think this one will work because. Uh, it was somebody asked it to us. I, I don't remember who, but um, I think it'll work because of. We're, I think we're all around the same age-ish, or at least from similar areas. What was the best pre-iPhone phone? And I'm mainly asking this. I think you're going to understand, Zeb. There was a time in the scene where if you had a – whoever made the sidekick, 
you had T-Mobile. you could have any guy or girl you wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like this was this was a piece of technology that impressed people so much that that, that it that it permeated the masses. And it was like so that I think about that that piece of old technology a lot. Hell yeah. I mean, I could definitely talk for hours about the phone and what it's doing <laughs> to us. I mean, I'm not alone in this opinion. Sure. But I do remember I remember seeing I'll answer it more directly in a second, but like I remember the first time I ever saw a sidekick was we were playing, we were opening for somebody bigger. And so it was like a relatively disinterested crowd. But there were there was a like a kid standing directly in front of the microphone. And he just, and he had a, and he flipped open his sidekick and I'm like actively screaming, performing. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, it was and then that I'm shocking. Like, I don't know how to express to people that piece of equipment was that shocking. Well, it had, it, you know, it was like a switchblade like device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it had this, like this, it had this mechanical action that people became like obsessed with in the same way that like, um, you know, like like smokers will like flick their lighter yeah, or, yeah, you know, people yeah. pick their teeth. It was like this kind of like repetitive flipping clacking thing. Yeah. And so, but I mean, I can't hear any of that. I just see this kid, like this, like one kid became like my, uh, my target. Yeah. Or he was like, he, he was the, he, he was like the sacrificial lamb for like an entirely disengaged auditorium of like yep. kids. And I just like got down into like the barrier area. And I grabbed it and I threw it like deep into the crowd. Yes. And that was my first experience with a sidekick. And I never yes. owned one. The first phone that I had that, and you know, like suffered no consequences for doing that, which is this amazing. This kid still remembers you, by the oh, way. 100%. There's no way. He's never forgot the band or you. Because I can only imagine at the time, I only knew like one to two people that had it. Yeah. And the idea that somebody would pick it up and throw it is very funny. <laughs> listeners call in was this you yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. if anyone's listening yeah. to this and knows we want him to hear from i'll have this guy on the podcast full yeah, episode yeah, yeah, yeah free episode so um the first phone that i had was like yo what's up and i remember going to like import night at a bar on tuesday where like was kind of like a scene like gathering like non-show related just like it was like a hot night at a bar sure, in sure. milwaukee and i had gotten earlier in that day i think i had gone from like you know just like absolutely like trashed uh, flip phones to mm-hmm. the Motorola Q phone. Oh, I'm, I'm looking this up like as we speak. I think Blackberry. I know. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Color screen. Yeah, Merlin archaic ass internet. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, you know what? It looks like a. It looks like a Palm Pilot. Or yeah. like, kind of looks like a Game Boy too. Oh, I remember yeah. this. Yeah, yep, we, yep, we were yep, talking yep. about the one that was like a Samsung. Like was it, was, it was. It was like it was. It was like it looked like Verizon a, was offering a deal. It was in the same nature as the Sidekick, but didn't have the cool haptic slide. Yeah, you instead it just you folded it open like, like a jewelry like a case. Yeah, like a jewelry case. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was like the yeah, LX like a or clamshell something. kind of thing. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we thought this was insane because I was like, we are going to be able to type so fast. Oh and God. then you realize everything after T9, I'm slow as hell. T9, yeah, though, I could, I, I mean, could drive around town. I didn't even need to look at burr, it. I could, burr, burr. I could knock them out. Yeah. That is just like an absolutely – having an understanding of T9 and being able to wield it is like – that is like a 10-year age window oh, in one period of time, and it will never – 
It never existed before. It will never exist again. There's a, just an extremely narrow band of people who are like, oh, hell yeah, T9. I oh, could no, you're, you're absolutely it right. It's the same band of people that were around when MySpace was coming of age and they know what Tom looks like with a whiteboard in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah. it's a very specific group of people. We, Timothy and I, Timothy's a little older than me. I'm 30 and we have some employees here at the shop that are 21, 22. And, and I'll be like, damn dude, you don't even know what nine 11 was like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> let alone, let alone T nine. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could still type in T nine right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could still go fast. I wonder if there might be, there probably is like an iPhone app or skin that you can apply oh my to God. just use your phone as T9. Yeah. Throughout yeah. the rest of my afternoon, because that's what I'm going to be looking for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So and if not, that's free idea to all my developers out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He wants a piece of this and we're, we'll rep him. He's right now. If you got, if you've got, if you had this, because I can't make this. My, my girlfriend's a developer. This, right? My girlfriend's a developer. Okay, we, we'll, we'll make it now. happen. We'll make Never it mind. happen. We're keeping this private. We, we own it now. <laughs> Just beep uh, out that entire section. Of yeah, the I'll take this. I'll, yeah. I'll cut it out. All right, Sam. It was like it was a really, a really pleasure to have yeah, you on, man. Really like, I, I we haven't talked in ages, so it was awesome to catch up. You know, I look, I look up to you. I think you guys I think you're doing cool things. I've always have a really inspiring guy, and obviously, you did the same for Chase. I'm sure for a lot of other people. So, really appreciate you taking the time and coming on, man. Hey guys, it was a true pleasure. Uh, love, love the pod, love the shop, and uh, yeah, it's great to catch up. Sam, maybe when uh, when the horror movie comes to fruition, we can do a little screening out this way or something. You know what oh, I mean? There we go. Excuse to get you Hell in older. Yeah. I would love yeah. that. Oh, yeah, man. because I want to treat doing the movie like every other thing, which is basically like, how do I go on tour with this? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah! All right, man. Well, uh, you know, thanks again. You have a great day. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Please take care. See you